hey everybody, thank you for tuning back into another episode of Halal Cartels. And today you're gonna you're gonna be a little off guard. This episode is gonna catch you a little off balance because uh, you know, as always, it's me, Gabe Pacheco. But today um, I am not doing this with Samir, not because we have any beef, we're all good, but we all know that he just had two uh, new baby boys, twins, uh, Ren and Stimpy, Indica and Sativa. And we, uh, and for that reason, uh, he wasn't able to join us today. So um, I, I'm not, but I'm not doing this alone. No man is an island. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. So I'm gonna have a special guest who we'll introduce in a moment on the show. Uh, but before we do that, you know, I just wanted a, a moment of silence for the one and only Mr. Bob Saget. So sad to see him go. Uh, so I just wanted to pay a little tribute to him because grandmas loved this man for America's Funniest Home Videos. My kid's sister loved this man for Full House. He was the spiritual father for all of the latchkey kids in the 90s who came home and tuned into that show to see a functional family, uh, you know, a chosen family for that matter, uh, really hanging out and uh, solving the world's problems 30 minutes at a time. And I loved him for the aristocrats and for his very small, juicy cameo in Half Baked. So uh, as somebody in showbiz, I think it's, it's amazing to see a performer who is able to, one, be squeaky clean and, make, and, and get his bag doing the squeaky clean stuff, but also be able to be as filthy as you want to be uh, in your stand-up. And, uh, and, he, and he, he passed away a couple of days ago, and no one has on Twitter uh, called him out for being a sex pest. So it's possible to be a creep on stage and to not be a sex pest uh, in the green rooms. So shout outs to Bob Saget at this moment for not, <laughs> for, for still having a good reputation. Everyone in comedy loved him. So, but uh, let's, let's move on with today's show. We've got a fantastic guest. I'm really excited to have her on the pod. Uh, everybody, a warm round of applause for the one and only Sonal Agarwal, an ethnic Chicagoan. The real Chicago, right here, right here. Oh no, I was, Usama Siddiqui was headlining at Zany's all weekend. That's one of ours, baby. That's one of our, that's one of our proud boys. And then we went for um, karaoke last night and, and then I had to wake up at 8 a.m. to do like a really dumb self-tape submission that I thought, oh, it's fine, I'll just wake up. So I, I had a very low register for my self-tape. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to gargle with warm water. I'm like, it's just uh, the Sonalogger Wall 5-7, sheer. <laughs> so they're like, we really like the, uh, do you think you'd do this take with less gravel next time? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, no, don't go for karaoke, like intense karaoke and whiskey shots the night before. And we can tell, it sounds like you were doing whiskey shots. So, uh, one thing I have to say about you right off the bat is that when I uh, toured Chicago, uh, I stayed with you. And uh, for anybody out there in comedy land, Sonal is probably the best host you can have when you visit Chicago. And we did not go to karaoke, but you blew my mind because we went to a gay, uh, to a Desi, Daisy oh, so rag show in Boys Town. 
after doing um, just a bunch of spots at the Lincoln Lodge. Yeah. I mean, Bollywood is so camp and so drag, you know, that it, this is an inevitable fusion, drag world and Bollywood and the Gacy scene that I'm now to the point where I'm, I feel quite biased with normal drag. If it's not Bollywood drag, I'm like, I'm out. I'm, I'm a bigot. Yeah, no. <laughs> I get. I, 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 we're we're in a, a brave new world now where people can distinguish between drag, and they're like, "Wait a minute, is I'm sorry, I'm only into like ethnic Romanian drag." Yeah, like, what are we sorry. doing? Is this like top forties? Like, what is this Beyonce? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. What, like toxic, so fucking. Like, uh, let's get niche. Let's get niche yes. is what we're saying. I want kuch kuch hota hai intro. With a nice like beady at the end, you know, like and then and then everybody's moving and oh that dancing was so good. I mean, I felt completely out of place, and not because I was a more because I felt as though Bollywood is this cultural uh, black hole for me. Like I, it's a blind spot, you know. I was like, damn, like I haven't done my homework. You know, <laughs> next time I come out, I gotta I gotta do two Practice. or three. Yeah, tutorials on YouTube. I got to eat my carrots. I got to get my vitamins. I got to hydrate. Like I'm coming out ready for. And I'm next- I'm very I'm I'm very receptive to the best host award from Gabriel Pacheco because he is also currently standing as best guest, and I'm putting it on blast. I'm putting it on screen because you know it's just um you're very the people come into a space and they are scared to do anything in the space. So they think, okay, I'm not going to take up any space. I'm not even going to move my dish to the sink because like, what if she puts it on the right side or the left side? Like just participate, just participate. When you're in somebody's home, do what you would do in your home, unless you're like disgusting and leave puddles everywhere and don't do your own dishes. Why is it that every single, I've had a shower in an apartment for the last 30 years, right? Every Everywhere I've lived, I've had a shower and I know how to not get a puddle on the floor of my shower, <laughs> but every single person I have ever had as a guest in any living space has left a puddle in the bathroom. Okay, we're not naming names, but I am saying do not create a slip and slide for your host in their bathroom. I don't wanna come into my bathroom and like, wow, oh my God who's been in here. And then I'm checking who hung up their towel. <laughs> Dude, it is a, br- this towel. It's a breakupable offense. If uh, I have somebody sleep over and they, uh, they leave a puddle in the, in the, in the bathroom, what are you doing? How I do you mean, not know? Wipe your feet before you step out of the bathroom. You Loch Ness monster, you creature from the black lagoon. What's wrong with you? I've also started like taking pictures of boys who leave the toilet seat up. I just take a picture of the toilet and I send it to them. Nothing, no question mark, just like. Um, now, I, we, we, I have had a, we have had a philosophical debate in the forum around whether to leave a toilet seat up or not. Do you leave the lid down? Do you leave it up? I'm a fan of you. You leave the part where you sit your butt down, but you don't put the lid up or down. You want to do the minimum amount of touching the toilet. What about when you poop? Well, I guess you, you put the lid down when you flush, unless you want right, to Right, because isn't there like a poop tornado? Don't we all know about the poop tornado? The poop like tornado. The sure, the sure. Particles sure. are then, in the air. <laughs> before you leave, you take the lid, you put it back up because you don't want like the that. next person to have to touch, have to touch the lid. Right. I mean, I de- the lid up all the way is just horrifying to 
a woman because we ne- we don't have to do that. So it's like, oh my god! <laughs> you know, it's sure. Like, why am I looking at the whole inside of the bowl immediately? I'm like, should I clean the toilet? You know, it, especially when it's your own toilet, you're like, oh, I'm getting really analytical into the toilet. I wish the seat was just down as I had left it. You shocked me because your Spanish is better than my Spanish and you use more slang. And I'm like, what? I'm brown. I grew up in the suburbs. I needed an identity to grab onto. <laughs> I was like, me gusta. Let's go. Dude, totally. I mean, I learned how to be a Mexican-American Chicano from watching Blood In, Blood Out because I was raised in D.C. and there were no other Mexicans. So uh, I was like, okay, what what are my people all about? I guess I'll listen to Cypress Hill and <laughs> and watch uh, American Me. I well, we had one of the TVs with like uh, buttons, you know, it was like yeah. channel three, four, five, you know, and there was one for Telemundo. I don't remember what number it was, and I just remember watching Latinx people, you know, and it was like very, you know, like but okay, okay, is it, you know, very loud, and I'm like, this is like us but we don't have Indian TV yet. And also Bollywood movies were like, there's a woman. Oh my God, what's she gonna say? What's she gonna <laughs> do? And it was, and it'd be like, help. Mm-hmm. That's it, that's it. That's so like a, a, a fainting daffodils. And a lot of heavy breathing. We're big, heavy breathers, women, Indian women, sure. I guess. We're like, <sighs> Yeah, it's like, does she have emphysema, sleep apnea? <laughs> Why, why does she have the respiratory habits of a, of a, of a bulldog? We have a lot of respiratory <laughs> issues. You know, the hotter you are, especially when you get into these like mountains. Yeah. Because it was an era where a lot of Bollywood movies were being filmed in like Swiss mountains. Even though we have Himalayas and we have our own mountains, it was like, no, we must go to the European mountain. <laughs> like, yeah. Sound amusing. So yes, I speak Spanish and I mean, as an American, it's yeah. really fun being able to be like, no soy Americana in any country in the world if you speak another language. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that is kind of like an old joke or trope that if you're traveling around the world and you look American, just tell them you're Canadian because that way you won't get all the flack, especially, I mean, I heard this a lot during like the Bush era, the second Bush, because- Yeah, I were... told everyone in Chile, I was Canadian. I was like, why aren't I saying I'm Indian? Because Indian was also annoying. Indian was, people were like, <gasps> They were all like, namaste bros. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? What? I'm from Chicago. It's, we good. <laughs> and then they'd be like, por quien votaste? It was very aggressive. Like, who did you vote for? You know, and I'm like, Bush, I love oil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we do, we get blamed a lot for like who our leaders are, but what people don't realize is that we don't really live in a democracy. So none of our votes matter, like none of who we voted for mattered. Speaking of my vote not mattering, do you know the Halal Cartel and all of your followers? I took two buses and went to the embassy to do in Chile, in Santiago de Chile, to do my whole like voting abroad bullshit, complete bullshit. And then you send in your little like overseas ballot. And then they're like, guess what? None of those votes got counted. Exactly. (laughs) They're like, oh, they got lost in transit. (laughs) (gasps) Like did the mailman drop the bag of the votes? So when were you in Chile? I was in Chile, let's see. I graduated from high school, 2001. Very cool. Cause 2000 was like, we're all gonna die. And then it was like, oh, shut up. Okay, you know, and I didn't go to my high school graduation because I was so cool. And <laughs> I don't know why. And then um, I went to Indiana for two years 
in Bloomington because I did not get into U of I and I sure didn't get into any Ivy Leagues. I wasn't really that kind of Indian. I was more of a visionary and an artist, I would say. And, and then so I went to U of I. Did you get a I lot of flack? Chile. Did you get a lot of flack from your parents for not being an engineer doctor? Oh my God. I mean, it was just really bad. I would say from like fifth grade to the age of 30 with my parents. I think, I think once, once the, once the Christopher Columbus concept was introduced, you know, and it's just little things where you feel like this is a house of lies. You know, I had in second grade where we were learning about black people and white people. And, and I raised my hand and I said, what am I just wanting to know if I was um, black or white? Yeah. Because I was actually darker than some of the, there are light skinned black people that I'm for sure darker than, you know, and yeah. then as a kid, that's very confusing because you're like, well, am I, what am I? You know, and, <laughs> and, and I had a second grade teacher actually say, she like turned around and, and, and she's like, um, you know what? You're actually in the gray. And she just like went back and, and as if that was supposed to be an answer that is satisfactory to me. She's like, uh, you're not on the field playing the game. You're a spectator in this uh, uh, black and white war that we have here in the country. That would have been better. That's at least a role. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you it's get gray. To audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gray is like, uh, you're a non-playable character. So don't worry about it. <laughs> we can, we can. We don't have a sim for you. We don't have, <laughs> oh my God, all this Apu drama. Do you know that Apu was like, I was like, shame. First, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. And then when Apu gets married to Manjula, there's this like, Homer steals the Ganesh head or something. And then the Indian family is like, Tum Ganesh Nehiho. And my mom was like, even these idiots are speaking proper Hindi and you can't speak proper Hindi. I'm like, how am I being? shamed by the simpsons we're supposed to <laughs> i'm not even allowed to watch this show and then because there was an indian and he was yeah. speaking proper hindi i was allowed to watch the simpsons wow so i was i was very grateful to hank azaria i was like he's so talented yeah yeah he his representation opened opened a door opened your third eye gave you an entry point into american pop culture that your parents would not have given you if it wasn't for him Oh, they were so unimpressed by Bart. He's very misbehaving. Very misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> now that Lisa, she's studious. That's a Lisa, role model. they didn't even pay attention to. They were like, why is the father fat? This is so American show. <laughs> my mom's like yelling at my dad, like, don't become like that. Dad's like, it's, I'm going to go to work. I don't know why we're yelling at the TV. And, you know, American pop culture is global culture. Yeah. Correct. So The Simpsons is translated into like a hundred languages. Or something. That's right. There's like a Kazakhstani version of The Simpsons. And he's El Omero in <laughs> El Omero in, in um, Spain. And they have like a Spanish dubbing and then they have a Mexican dubbing because it's the same like English from the UK versus American English. And I lived in Italy for a while because I met this Brazilian girl in India who was selling clothes she was taking saris and repurposing them into like little slutty tops and <laughs> skirts that these rich um european women die for and and um so i was in italy and i met jugglers i became a juggler and a fire dancer 
So and my nickname. Yeah. Hold on, this is all this is all coming to a point. My nickname was Manjula, who is the wife of Apu. Wow. So what? and and this was in Italy because they yes. had they had seen an Italian dub, the Gamora <laughs> dub of The Simpsons. And they were like, Manjula. and Manjula is still Manjula. Manjula is Manjula in English, in Hindi, in Italian. It's a great name. It's a great name. Right. So, in fact, these Simpsons characters were also for the world who didn't know a bunch of Indian uh, women uh, or people around the world that didn't know Indian women. They're like, oh, so you're like the Manjula. You're capable of having octuplets. We're very (laughs) impressed by you. (laughs) So I wanted to get back. One thing I really noticed when I was when I stayed with you uh, and we're doing spots is like uh, something that set you apart from like other performers that I've met was the fact that you have. Uh, and I don't even know the whole story, but like a worldly um, background, right? Because the references were from all over. When when I was at your place, it's like you got, uh, you have Mexican Spanish with like Mexican slang, but then you can flip into uh, like Spaniard, like conquistador Spanish. Ocia, and, ocia tío. Yeah. Conquistador Spanish is so funny. Because like, it's also like the other colonizer language. Yeah. This is so American dream that we're like English is easy and Spanish is hard. And it's like they are the same fucking language. One is phonetic. <laughs> Sorry. That's not good for the audio. Yeah. I clap. Dude, on, well, honestly, uh, Spanish is easier to read because it is phonetic. They you spell don't have... phone with an F, people. <laughs> Get on board. There's no weird pHs or like in a. Uh, in French with like the uh, silent X's at the end of words or French whatever. Is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. French, they can we just get together and dislike the French <laughs> together? They're such so hot, a, though. Very sexy people. <laughs> so such a difficult language. But uh they, they they gave the world parkour. So the French did one great thing culturally. Love oh parkour. I'm really good at parkour. I mean I can't do a demo right now, but Maybe I'll send you a clip or something. <laughs> so tell me, so, okay, uh, what you left the country and you went to Chile and then somehow that ended up taking you around the world? I mean, my parents, um, your parents are immigrants, correct? Uh, well, you know what? My dad was born on the border. So we're like, we're, we're kind of like uh, the United States was Mexico and then it got, um, you know, the border crossed us. La frontera le cruzó a él. The, pro- See, exactly. the border crossed him, but he's still, and that's different because that's a very different story because he's still creating a life for himself on the land of which he was born, right? That's you know, right. I mean, like the border's moving. My parents grew up on the other side of the planet in this mythical place called India that white people can't even find. You know, they were supposed That's to right. turn and they went that way. And and, um, <laughs> and it's like their lives didn't even. That's what it felt like to me as a kid, like their lives didn't really start until they were in their 20s, until they moved. So it was like I wasn't engaged in the same way. Like I was kind of an asshole in, in high school because I was like, none of you matter. This is so this is so um, random and by chance, by happenstance that I'm in this random a suburban town in Chicago, Illinois. The weather was a really big motivator for me to get out of the country. Like I'm here in Chicago now because of a whole series of events, 
that basically was, I always wanted to leave the States. I never wanted to stay in the US from very young. When we would go to India and come back, I found English exhausting and very limited, very, a lot of consonants, very, <laughs> ta, 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 you know, and Hindi even is very like, that's, I'm just doing sounds that's I'm allowed. I'm for sure allowed. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I'll just do them off mic. <laughs> After and, we finish this, I'll just wander around the apartment, Larry David style, making sounds. You know, and even like, how are you? Sounds very like almost, you know, versus in Spanish, like, como estas? You know, it's like, yeah. ah, pues. You know, it's these, these, and it's a different vibe. And the whole, that's to say that um, my intention was to leave, you know, I was reading, what's that Jack Kerouac? book the uh on the road dharma bums dharma bums dharma bums dharma bums and you don't think of them as like the white man appropriating eastern philosophy and you just think like oh this person traveled so i i'm gonna do that and i was just always like i want to learn language i want to go off into the world so i went to chile did my undergrad and i was there for like 14 months by the time i left they were like i'm like bueno ya me voy and they're like okay cuando regresas when are you coming back i'm like no i mean does it no does it unless yeah. i find myself i mean i'm not i'm unless not like you, one of these you found a man a partner to take you to the atacama desert exacto a tomar san pedro san pedro de atacama i did take some san pedro actually that was that was pretty good good i love i love plant medicine big fan of the psychedelics yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't know that Chile was known for it. I've only experienced uh, ayahuasca in Ecuador. Chile has a lot of, you know, indigenous population that's highly discriminated against. It's still, um, I don't know how, what the preserved, I mean, there's still cultures there because it's so hard to get there. It's like Antarctica, even the conquistadors, they got their last because it's like yeah. got the whole freaking Andean mountain range. So uh, one of my listeners, one of uh, our, our listeners here on the show, Liliana, her uh, her husband is uh, from Chile, and so she ha has messaged me about how he's like, oh, I get I get these references, so he's gonna love this episode. But you're yes. right, I knew of uh, the uh, Mapuche people that are below Tamuco, and the Mapuche were an indigenous tribe, are still there and fighting for their sovereignty and rights. And when the Spaniards were had the empire uh, from South America all the way to North, the it was the Comanches in the North that were the most difficult, that were never conquered by the Spanish empire. And then in the South, it was the Mapuche who were never conquered below uh, Temuco. So they, that- And they're still there. Yeah, still doing it. And they are it. highly discriminated against. One of my best friends, Claudia, she um, taught me, she, she, I lived in like this um, hostel type of thing, but it wasn't a hostel, it was like a, don't, it was this old Chilean lady and she was hustling the fuck out of everybody, you know, because she's like, mira, mira, ben, 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 aquí tengo un cuarto y aquí tengo otro. Solo tengo gente internacional porque me gusta conectarme con el mundo. <laughs> no me gustan los chilenos. O sea, no, and then she'd be like, porque puedo cobrar más. You know, she's like, I love international people. I yeah. love being connected to the world. I don't like Chileans. I mean, I can charge foreigners more i mean she yeah, was just totally. like she's like i can uh, i can fleece you rubes and you've got nowhere to go because you uh have work visas here and we all knew we're like we're like thomas the german guy 
poor Germans. Oh my God, you guys will never live that Hitler thing down. Cause they, <laughs> every night we get lit and there's just like, Theo Hitler, Theo Hitler. <laughs> and he's like, please, can we come up with a new joke, please? I mean, I feel that way in stand-up, like doing shows at the tourist trap stand-up clubs in New York. Uh, when I was starting out, there'd always be packs of German tourists who would come and invariably every night, you know, it's like, where are you from? Where are you from? And people would be Norway, Denmark, Ireland. And there'd always be one joke for each group. And then right when they got to Germany, they're like, whoa, that thing that happened. And it's like, they have heard, they've been beaten down by that joke, the like jokes about World War II, their entire, every, everywhere they travel. So it's like, and they never laugh at this point. It's like eyes rolling and the rest of the crowd's eyes roll too. So it's like, we need to come up with a new uh, hack thing to talk about. Like- And Germany's like, dope. I mean, Germans yeah. are, you know, nervous and get nervous about jokes, but then like when they connect and they're great open air parties, so much incredible food. The food was like so cheap in Germany. I was eating super good shawarma. There's all these Turkish markets. Best thing about Germany is the Turks not <laughs> <laughs> dude why well, i have friends that uh they wanted to have kids and they were like i want to marry a german guy because um the benefits the benefits right yeah like, can we talk about all these british people and all these irish people that are in india like oh i'm actually a spiritual warrior it's like you are on the welfare system in <laughs> india you are using your english pounds this is the ultimate colonizer creme you know, it's like we've colonized the whole world. And now I'm going to change my name from Mark to Shivananda Mukti Dhamma Banda. And I live and I'm really supporting an economy in the in a village in, in Goa. And it's like, shut up, dude. You are you are you are the creme of colonization. You've colonized the whole planet and now you're going to renounce it in the name of Hinduism. Yeah. So are you telling me that these that uh, that uh, Irish people were collecting welfare in Ireland and then backpacking or living in India? I'm with... putting them on blast. Go <laughs> after them, Irish government. That'd be like uh, taking like like taking my uh, like an EBT card from New York, like uh, like a food stamp <laughs> card, and then going to Mexico City and like where uh, where like uh, Al Pastor Taco is like twenty five cents American and just bawling. Just buying like <laughs> lobster al pastor tacos. I mean, it would be really sweet if we, Ireland's military is pretty much non-existent. I think their air force consists of like one helicopter. So yeah. <laughs> their, their, their um, people get money from the government to go be baller in third world countries, which is so fucked up that they even call them third world countries. It's like, just say you're going to Sri Lanka. You don't need to call it a third world country. Yeah. But you, you didn't need to say it like that. It didn't need to be so hurtful. Like you. <laughs> you're going kite surfing in a third world country. What's the surf like in your first world, stupid country? How about that? <laughs> yeah. So actually sounds amazing. This country sounds like it's got um, like more natural resources and a much better, and better surf, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. First and world surf, idiot. And you know what? Uh, yeah, first world surf, a good, good, a good break, a good point break. Oh my God, priceless! You don't want to swim out too far for that break. You die. Yeah. So you left Chile, right? And well, after... I had to come back because I had to like graduate, you know, because I was studying abroad. So yeah. <laughs> and she was over it. No, sorry, but I'm bummed. <laughs> so then you then you studied uh, under the tutelage of several Catskills comedians. 
And well, that, and the comedy came later because then yeah. I, I was like, um, we went to India to visit family, and I was, so, I mean, I'm so privileged to be part of a global narrative. You know, we were we were taken to India when we were really little, and we have a very small um, family. You know, my mom just has a couple because the stereotype is we have zillions of cousins everywhere, and I don't really have any immediate family over here. Yeah. And um, when we stayed, when we went to India, I was like, I'm staying. You know, we're, I'm not flying back with you guys. And my dad's like, what? <laughs> a, a woman cannot be alone after the sunset. <clears throat> it's actually amazing. We should get him on the podcast to tell this part because it's <laughs> fucked up. I'm like, oh my God, dad, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about your perspective. He's like, she was telling everyone she is teaching Hindi in India, but she doesn't speak Hindi. So I don't know what she's teaching. I'm like, oh, the shade, the shade. Is... <laughs> I'm like, dad, I can teach Swiss people and French people hundred rupees an hour, you know, like namaste, darwaja kolo, like open the door. I can teach basic ass Hindi. And my dad's like, you are teaching them wrong for sure. <laughs> We, we need to get Hank Azaria up in here teaching them because he knows better Hindi than you do. I will not stand for any hate on Hank, although I'm sure he's problematic. He seems like an asshole. I mean, everybody on The Simpsons does like 80 voices. That's right. That, that's like the first inspo for voiceover. Yeah. You know, the creation of worlds. And like, can we please talk about how problematic some of the other characters are? Italian man is super problematic. <laughs> <laughs> he's just making pies all the time. He's like, oh, pizza pie. Yeah, I know. Nobody cares. <laughs> the only accurate character is uh, Chief Wiggums because he's a pig, but he's a cop. And he's completely ineffective and <laughs> useless, which I love. And like, they had a great spinoff episode about his wife. Yeah. She, she's some badass. Anyway, we don't need to go into, let's get back to, let's get back to us. Well, then, yeah, um, of course. So <clears throat> I went to India. Yeah. I stayed. And I was on the no plan plan. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm watching other people. I'm like, this guy is like a music, a DJ, I yeah. put in quotes, because I'm like, it looks like he just got a bunch of tracks queued up. And then I'm from Chicago. Okay. We take the DJing thing like yeah. fucking serious. The home of house. The home of house. That's right. That's yeah. right. And I, oh, I went to this party in Bombay and I'm like, can you just put on some house music? And it was like this, like, dun, 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 dun. and the guy goes, this is house music. It is industrial house. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm so scared. And then um, I, I was actually going to get a job in Bombay teaching, uh, doing accent coaching. Wow. So to give them that Chicago accent. Instead of being like, hello, I am Rajiv in uh, Ahmedabad, you know, be like, Hi there, this is Robert in Sheboygan. <laughs> yeah. Let me help you with your track, your package. Oh, hell yeah. So, But then um, that fell through. And uh -huh. then I was trying to get a job teaching English in South Korea. And I was getting hung up on because turns out that there is racism outside of American racism towards South Koreans are super racist towards us, towards Indians. Yeah. That everyone liked us. I saw Squid Games. <laughs> Good for that guy. Good for that guy. He's like I'm the Indian guy in Squid Games. Yeah. Like, Good job. 
Yeah, it was so cool to see that him in that movie or that show because it showed that perspective that, you know, immigration is not just a, a U.S. thing and it's not just like a white brown thing, but sort of a, you know, depending on where you're at, every country has its own immigrants. And it's I mean, I had a woman on the phone with me speaking to me and she was like, okay, and what is your education? I said, yeah, I have my undergrad. Nah, nah, nah. And then she was like, Sonal Agurwa? And then she just hung up the phone. And I was like, whoa, trauma. Do I get to go to therapy now? No, Sorry, I should make fun of it. <laughs> no, when I was in Chile, uh, it was uh, Nicaraguans were traveling uh, south to, uh, to, to work in, uh, in uh, Chile. So they were, yeah. they were yeah. as- um, Yeah, as, because, uh, the, because the, the Chilean peso is much stronger than the Nicaraguan, I'm sure. Yeah. The currency would be stronger. Um, so you're okay. So you couldn't get in to South Korea. So then I had a friend from Chile, like an ex kind of, but we were more like best friends than, than sure, sure. Heirs, Amantes. The relationship had evolved. You were not, you were not polo, polo liando. Ya no, está, ya no éramos de pololos. Ya no era mi pololo y yo no which era is, su polola. Which, which is how, uh, Chileans <laughs> say boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, if you're asking someone in Chile, like, hey, are you going out with somebody? You're like, pololeas, like they turn it into a verb. And it comes from an indigenous word that I means love this. to be, uh, I don't know what the, it's, I don't know if it's mapuche, but pololo means a small fly who circles. <laughs> so it's like, are you, are you the fly that hovers over this other human being? That's what, that's how they look at relationships, like a little yeah, like sex that orbit you. Back in the day, if you would do like a Facebook status, you know, like relationship, I'm in a relationship is like, whoa, yeah, that's yeah. saying like, estamos pololeando is like, whoa, it's, it's a status. It's a declaration. Yeah. yeah. Of, I am the fly. Steady. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> yeah. We hover around each other like two fruit flies. And no other flies <laughs> allowed. Yeah. Nearby. Yeah. yeah. You know? We're monog flies. It's also so important to travel because you think things like um, girl on girl action, you know, you think that that's just a universal truth that men lose their minds for it. But turns out that they're really grossed out by it in places where they're like, I don't know if it's the Catholicism or what, because we were all a bunch of college students, mainly Chileans. And then my, the German guy, Thomas and Emily, my um, English roommate, who we were like best best friends we're still we're still close and everyone's like kiss like kiss 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 and we were had i don't know how many bottles of pisco pijote where you take the pisco mix it with the coca-cola yeah that's danger and i mean we were very inebriate ya estábamos borrachas and we went for like a passionate makeout like a college like i kissed a girl once makeout you know we're like yeah, and, yeah. Um, I don't thing. know what it looks like when you make out, but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like is that zombie eating that other person like face first? Yes. <laughs> and we pull out of this like passionate, and and like all of our guy roommates were like horrified. They were just like, right, like they just seen like an exorcism. Are you going to hell now? Like, and then my my pololo was super offended for like weeks. He'd be like, mira ella, la quieres besar a ella? I'm like, what? No, I'm not. That's, 
I love Emily. She. I don't want to just kiss random girls. Maybe right. her. JK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he couldn't handle it. I mean, did you know that? Did you know that there's like this, um, it's a different kind of machismo. Yeah, no, I mean, what you're saying is like that uh, culture, it depends on the place. Like what we find offensive is uh, is all based on context. Yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, so Chilean dudes are not into the girl on girl displays. What about in Mexico? I can't, I mean, I think it's fine. My friends, my... <laughs> Uh, my my friends who are stand-ups in Mexico are super lesbians, and they in in like they are that is their public brand, you know. So I mean, and I, um, there's definitely a queer presence in Chile. You know, that's the other thing that I'd be like, let's go eat some tacos, and they're like, what's a taco? Right, right. Yeah, I would go. I'd get tacos in Chile, and it was uh, my night out getting ethnic cuisine. <laughs> and then you get like nachos, and it'd be literally <laughs> like Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> with like yeah. shredded cheese in the oven and you're like oh this is not a this is not a chilean thing no the best this thing in chile are the empanadas <laughs> you got to get the empanadas with a little bit of uh papa you know a little bit of potato and some olives and a little raisins with the ground beef oh so good see now you too gabe you've done quite a lot of international globe globe action well that's why that's why we're doing this i was vibing i was clicking i was like okay we've we've both been to chile which was great and then you know, uh, staying with you, I was just inspired to continue. I wanted to travel more. You know, I had I all mean, these, yeah. The being a good host comes from having been a guest for like 12 years, you know, and you want to leave no trace principles. You know, you don't, you don't want to create a mess. You want to take only pictures and leave footprints, right? That's the leave no trace ethos out in nature. And, um, you know, you, you want to be invited back into places and you want people to be like, oh my God, she did the dishes. She can come back whenever she wants. Um, you know, I, I traveled with a, my ex-boyfriend is Irish and he is a baker and like a chef. He would bake bread and blow our host minds everywhere we go. Like you can stay here forever. Do you, do you want to live here? Please stay. Learn how to cook people. Learn how to cook, learn basic domestic skills and you will always be invited back into places and traveling is there's this illusion that you're traveling on your own india's a great place for that because you're never on your own there's a billion motherfuckers packed into a third of the space that we have three times as many people in a third of the space right yeah so you always get grouped together too as an outsider because like bad things happen everywhere but there are a lot of good people and indians would see me traveling by myself and be like oh, here, these aunties, give her snacks, you know? <laughs> and it was also like, where is your father? I'm like, I don't know, on his tablet, maybe, probably on his iPad, playing Sudoku, you know, like, but what about your husband? I'm like, in the future? You know, like, where is, where's your son? Where's your brother? Where's your, there has to be a male that will go through the whole list before the, the unthinkable of like, you're just a girl on your own traveling. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways, like having you on this, it's, I think you're a role model for other, uh, like, like this is such a good story that you can travel on your own, you know, that, uh, and I met a be... Brazilian girl in this yeah. town. I had no money and I got kicked out of this town in the Pushkar because I had a photocopy of my passport because my uncle who's never traveled as a woman on his own with like an American passport because he has an Indian passport was like, do not travel with your real passport get a photocopy 
keep your passport in a safe house in Bombay, which turned into huge drama down the road because nobody will mail a goddamn passport. But then I looked like some sort of very advanced gypsy with very good English and the photocopy of the passport that doesn't, they're like, she's not allowed to stay here. We have to see the for real passport. This looks like a stolen photocopy. Yeah, this is like a ransom note where they you've like cut out serial numbers and mashed things together to make a fake. I'm not a criminal. Collage. I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I got adopted by this Brazilian girl who was like, you can literally stay in my room with me and I'm going to Italy. I'm selling these clothes. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, I don't speak Italian. I speak Spanish. And she's like, molto bene. Quasi la stessa cosa. She's like, it's almost the same. So you get there, you'll learn. You know, and then um, she actually now has a couple of tailors that she still works with and she has a production now. So she sells her clothes in stores in Italy and Brazil. Um, I hated it. I hated selling clothes because a lot of I feel like it's like stand up. Everybody wants to talk about how they want to do stand up and they feel like they'd be so good at it. And so easy to project a vision of yourself on the stage. But you'll never know until you do it. So just do it. Just do it, get, you know, go to an open mic, go to, and just like experience yourself actually doing it because then you get to experience like, I hate this. I thought I was going to like it. So it's like, don't be a spectator. I mean, this goes back to like being a good guest as well. It's like you're, I'm seeing themes here, right? When you're a good guest, you're, you, uh, you shouldn't be too shy to do the things that you want to do in the house, like do the things. And in the same way, you, uh, you can't project, you shouldn't fantasize about what you want to do. Just go out there and get on the field and play. And whatever you're scared of, I mean, it, I, I really think it helps to play out worst case scenario. Oh yeah. Because I'm like, I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, uh, building catches on fire and I die inside at my first open mic and get reincarnated. So not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, uh, once you're dead, you won't be thinking about it anymore. So you might as well try it. Mom will be mad and I hope she doesn't find the weed in my house when I'm dead. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if she does, hope she smokes it. You well, know? I would love that for her. It's really funny um, when people, like with karaoke, I get very intense. I'm like, if you're going to come to karaoke and not participate, get out of my fucking life. <laughs> I'm so intense. Because that to me is like, it's two minutes that you're on stage. And even like I do harmonies and harmonies. I do duets sometimes with a friend of mine who like sings pretty bad, you know, but he's up there and it's like the passion, the passion. And he's just like, and it's, it's terrible, but it's still like we're wrapped around each other. We're like, sit, we wiped down the mics. A lot of people got COVID at this place. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, there are these kids, there are these, a bunch of stand-ups always end up there. Yeah. And you see the ones that are like, and I can't do karaoke. No. And then, like, because then that, where else does that translate to? In so many other places in your life. And it's so easy to just say no. Say, no, I don't want to do something. And then you're creating a narrative and you're making something so much bigger than it is. And you're giving so much power to that no. It takes a lot of energy to maintain that no. Versus for me, I feel like it's a lot easier to just surrender and do it, you know, and like, I've said yes to doing things that I'm like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> but then like, it, this too shall pass. And it passes and you're like, I'm glad I did that. I had, I, and so, uh, one of these kids 
at the mic yesterday. He really didn't want to go up and then he did Toxic by Britney Spears and like two of the bros went up with him. And he was like, that was like the most fun I've ever had this year. I mean, we're only 10 days in, so the bar is low, but still. Right, 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 right. But once you break the seal, you know, there's that, ah, I did it, I did it, you know? And I, uh, you know, it's not that I won't do karaoke. I just uh, don't enjoy, <gasps> enjoy singing <gasps> in public. And I know that, I know that I got to get over that, you know? So, when are you coming back to Chicago? We'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, and when I went to Chicago, uh, I have to say that it feels like there are two Chicagos. You know, it feels like there Chicago, are many Chicagos. Yeah. There are multiple Chicago. Chicago contains multitudes, but there is um, like you were such a great host because we went to Pilsen, so we got to go to like a Mexican neighborhood and and the Mexican know, Fine Arts Museum, which is free. Right, totally free. And the fact that later that night we went to a Lincoln Lodge. And there were there were all of these performers, mostly white, who just were didn't even know that <laughs> that museum existed. And then when like, we said, "What is a Mexican art? <laughs> you mean like a pyramid?" And like, oh god, like you can travel the world in Chicago. You can yeah. see, you can see everything, and yet there were people in Chicago that it seemed like were closed off to. They were ignorant of like the other aspects of the city. And they're also, um, people are so contained in their little bubbles because I've invited a lot of people to that Gacy Bollywood drag night. Yeah. And there's so many people who are like, well, I'm not any of those things though. So it's not for me. And it's like, well, oh my God. I mean, it's like a public, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a public, what do you need? And and then I have Gacy friends that I'm like, I'm going to this um, Afro night. And they're like, but is it queer? Is it, are there going to be other, and, and you know, and they're like, no, I need to be, I only go to like these places and I need to know that, you know, people, people are, so there's like this, there are people, the willingness and let's, let's move around. And then there are people that are like, I only, I only eat donuts and Italian beef sandwiches. And that is, <laughs> you know, like Trader Joe's frozen food. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is when a good friend of mine, who's a performer uh, and I ask him, what should I do in Chicago? And he goes, Gabe, you got to go on the donut tour. Yeah, there's four different donut shops all in downtown, right? Uh, north of the river. The Shout real ethnic Midwest cuisine. I, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's the best. I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to do it. But that is not the end of uh, what I'm going to do. That's not the ceiling of the experiences that I'm going to have in Chicago. Because after I eat from all four different donut shops, we're going to Chinatown. We're getting hot pot. You know, we're going to go pot. get the, yeah. <laughs> about hot pot. Hot pot was amazing. That place is so good. Where they bring you out like the, you're basically it's like you're cooking your own food. <laughs> but they, have, they also, remember the sauce island? They have like 10,000 sauces at that place. Everybody. Go to hot pot, follow somebody more Asian than me to the sauces. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'd be following people. We're like, oh, look. She looks like she knows what she's doing. Let's follow her to the sauces. And then we'd be like copying, mixing. <laughs> so uh, uh, I wanted to jump into this. I wanted to get to like uh, the comedy portion of what you do. So first off, like we've done some Zoom shows together and anybody who's listening to this in Chicago, where can they find you? What, what are you putting on? Oh, gosh. I mean, um, I try to post on Instagram at Sonal Media on all social medias. I'm, I'm trying to get better with um, 
creating content. I got the the whole, you know, stand up is such a this is what you see of this type of structure. You know, the like actual performance of stand up. Yeah, yeah, it's a pyramid, and there's so and anytime that um, anybody gets sick or anything, there's always time to put into the foundation to create more of these opportunities. This is an affirmation for everybody because it's like shows have been getting canceled. A lot of stuff is up in the air. Our first show coming back is January 19th as well with this Give Me the Light show that we actually started on Zoom and is now a real show that is so cool. I started with Carmen Naidu in New York. Shout out okay. to Carmen. So I uh, love Carmen Naidu, a South African comedian who ha has is a regular at Funhouse at Pete's Candy Store, which we do every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. So I met uh, Sonal through Carmen and uh, she recommended that we hang out and was like, oh, it, yeah, the, the chemistry's there. I'll be a good guest. You'll be a good host. Boom. And uh, yeah, so give me the light. I think I did it on Zoom, but you do it live. So it, we do it live. And um, I mean, when did you start doing comedy? Because comedy for me was always something that like, I always had people around me that were like, you should do stand up, you should do stand up. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, what does that even look like? You know, and I'm like, I would think about having to be in bars and these, like, I would think about the world that we're in before being in it. And I didn't like it. <laughs> now, now I'm in it. And I and I do like it. But um, I had a lot of resistance. Well, so uh, I think I did my very first open mic in 2004, which was a long time ago. And I wasn't consistent doing that, doing comedy. But one of the very first mics that I went to was at a place called the Sly Fox in New York City, in mm -hmm. the East Village. And uh, there were there was like a long hallway with uh, booths on the side and then the bar on the other side. So like, 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 so everybody's seated. No one is facing the stage. Everyone's either in these booths staring at each other or they're at the bar, which is uh, perpendicular to the stage. And I had two high, uh, college friends because I still had friends from college that were like supportive. Yeah. And they came uh, to this open mic and the, there's a guy on stage, like six foot five, pretty big dude. He's on stage. This is like my third open mic ever. And somebody, uh, an open micer in the booth was drunk and talking during his set. No one's paying attention anyway, but it's like dead silent and you can hear this drunk kid talking. The guy gets off the stage, he's furious. And uh, he walks past me because he bombed and he proceeds to grab that kid who was talking and like punched him a couple times and then continued to storm out of the place. And so assault, this is assault. And this is like wildly inappropriate, violent behavior. But my two friends who had never been to a, a comedy event before, they were like, this happens every night. And I was like, yeah, man, every, it's, it's always, <laughs> you never know what's gonna pop off. And this was like before the internet really was like, uh, things weren't going viral yet. There weren't uh, cameras on your phones in the same way. So I'd say comedy was more, mm, when I first started, it was a little bit more violent than it is now, right? It was- We got more, cameras and phones now, baby. Can't we you got be cameras punching? and phones. And I'd say in like 2004, comedy was still in, in, at the end of the, uh, of the bust. We weren't entering the new boom yet. <clears throat> right? I'd say the new boom would have been like around YouTube time, like 2007. And then the advent of Twitter, and MySpace and all of these different social media platforms made comedy and comedy's become more of an upper middle class 
upper class thing. Like the people who are successful are the children of like wealthy. Nick Kroll. Yeah. Billionaire yeah. people. Yeah. It's people who can pay for like uh, PR companies. And like, you know, if you look at the vulture top 10 list, it's not like a scrappy working class person who makes it to the top of the heap. It's somebody who has like their- my parents were surgeons. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So it, I think it was just a little bit more like rough and tumble at that moment. And I, I'm not trying to romance. I mean, that, if 2004, different. we little Sony at two in 2004, I would have been, uh, uh 21 that's math i i would have been like i am never ever coming back to an open mic this is a place of violence and this that's is scary right. to me and you know i'm i feel emotionally vulnerable and like i didn't start doing stand-up till i was 30 something because now i would see something and even when i was 30 i'm 38 now i would see something like that and be like oh yeah no, no guidance <laughs> you know and yeah. you just, <laughs> i guess you just weren't raised right mm. <laughs> yeah. be like white people will be doing white shit were they white of course yeah both yeah. of them i was like well there you go i mean you know we're all affected by colonialism and white supremacy is a global phenomenon and now you're just punching random people you know? <laughs> instead of like doing ayahuasca you know and i've done enough <laughs> ceremony yeah. work that when you've seen your body like turn into sand you know, and when you've like died and come back, like, I must give voice to the voiceless, you know, and you like feel aligned to this purpose, you know, and, and even that is, is hard because those bombs are so informative. Like you got, you got a bomb. That's how you learn what's not working. That also doesn't mean give up on a bit even because it might be put this word here. And then suddenly something has been bombing consistently. You're getting a pop laugh and you're like, stupid fucking audience. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. It's incredible how you're like, oh, how do I get there? Because I know that it's funny, but you guys are feeling trauma for me or feeling bad for me or something. <laughs> so then you think, instead of thinking, stand-up is hard, this sucks, I should never do this, I'm not funny. It's like, this is the process, I am learning, how do I figure it out? You know, and like, how do I, because I've, I've had some very elegant bombs, if I do say so myself. Where <laughs> other stand-ups be like you're just like really good at bombing i'm sorry if that's yeah <laughs> oh. uh you let okay so you landed the plane i mean the engines failed and you definitely landed the in the gone. river you landed in the river but like everyone got out of the plane without drowning which is there's like a big group hug at the end. <laughs> Everyone felt feelings. No one got to where they bought their tickets for. People, yeah, people are celebrating the pilot, which is you. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, honestly, that being able to bomb gracefully is, in fact, a ma it's like a masterwork. It that that in and of itself is art. I mean, I had to go up once at the Laugh Factory after like two months of nothing because of the pandemic. Yeah. And it was my first time going up and it's like a Saturday night, like packed. And I have to go up after T Murph, who is a super established 15, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he's now in a TV show on Hulu called Woke. He's fantastic. This yeah. is now a plug for T Murph. You know, that's that was the guy going up before me. Here's me. I haven't even done it in a few months. And he's so high energy, you know, and he's like, he just got the place. And it was just, I just remember being up there and like, it felt like an out of body experience, you know, we're like, okay, well, this is, um, I must stand here. 
for these 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like I'm on ketamine without being on ketamine. Like when you disassociate on stage, a bomb is, a bomb is, uh, I always have to remember to pause. Like if I can remember to just stop then and drink my water or do anything else to get grounded in exactly where I'm at, the bomb will stop. I think you can often, um, if you can see, you know, if I don't have my glasses on, I can't see shit. But if I if I have my glasses on, you can find somebody that's rooting for you and yes. make eye contact with them and just talk, who's like, you got this. You know, like, don't look at the person that's like. Yeah. Oh, but you always stare at the person that's refusing to make eye contact. <laughs> and <laughs> and it makes it look so at much me. worse. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, the, I feel like if, if anybody's listening, who's like thinking about getting into standup, really the worst thing that you can do is blame the audience. And it's something that sounds so basic, you know, but just be like, you guys are doing great. Never tell the audience like, well, you guys suck. You know, it's just like, you guys are doing great. Yeah. I'm, I need to work harder at my job, you know, and <laughs> to take that as an invitation because <clears throat> I mean, and also in terms of like the casual assault stuff, I cannot imagine being a woman in my twenties and and navigating this world of like I've had some I've had some like little booty taps and just like you know how it is where a man if you're making direct eye contact or having like conversations they're like I think she wants to fuck and you're like mm, I feel that way about uh, uh, the women around me is that if I listen and I if yeah. I actively listen <laughs> and make eye contact they think I'm flirting with them and um, which is fine but. Uh, I'm just no. I'm just being a human. Make signals, game. <laughs> <laughs> just leaving all these women on gush and then out of there. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I I gotta be. I've gotta be more of a dick to. Uh, you're like, you're so like, they're like, oh, you're, he's, you're he's just like... listening and paying attention, <laughs> and they're like, oh my god, are we in love? <laughs> this is just base. This is just baseline stuff that I learned to do as like a, an educator. As <laughs> just a child from my yeah. mother. It was like when people are listening, when people are talking, you should try to look at them. Yeah, it was like beaten into me, like show empathy. <laughs> My dad, I can't even fucking like open a cabinet or something. He's telling me, he's like, don't distract. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I have to <laughs> listen to him like this when he's talking. If I look at the phone, if you texting me right now and I just look like, oh, I, you'd be like, okay, if you're going to be on the phone, just be on the phone. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh man. So uh, I have a question. So when you started, what was like one of the biggest challenges that you had? Where did you start? Oh, I think the biggest challenge is like the reality of how much work it is and how hard it is, you know? And um, I think that everybody wants to be put on a come up, you know, and everybody and anybody that you see who's doing really well, I feel like is probably working really hard. You do have those people that it's like, oh, he or she got asked to open for this person and now they're touring around and they have a nice little career for themselves, but they're bad, you know, or like they're just, they're, you get a lot of like um, hacky ass comedians. I think that if they're just out there and doing it, they still get a lot of spots. But I feel like, <clears throat> like uh, Usama, for example, Usama, for example, we I would say that we were kind of in similar places a few years ago, but he's just like relentless with the clips and the subtitlings and the 
podcasts and the episodes, you know, so it's again of that pyramid, you know, if you're putting so all the focus into the into the tip, you know, that's like a bad lover. You gotta you gotta the whole pyramid needs is you gotta you gotta massage the curves. You gotta massage the admin. You gotta you gotta <laughs> yeah light some yeah. candles around your Excel sheets. You gotta rub it. some essential oils on the admin. On admin, you gotta rub essential oils on admin. Yeah, yeah. Are you uh are you a lover on the spreadsheets or just in no. the streets? No, I am not an attentive lover to my spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, please. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, it is it is tough. That is the challenge. You're to- you're 100 percent right. So, but that's what halal cartels is. At the same time, it's like we've been shut in forever. Uh, for like the last two years and I want I I wanted to make something where you know I have an album out but uh, if I passed away tomorrow now there's 26 episodes of this podcast 26 hours of me uh, talking to my friends I just canceled that spell so that you don't die tomorrow oh I definitely no I'm fine I'm not leaving the apartment today so there's no no chance that I'm going to get hit by a car Okay, literally though, I lied to my dad earlier because he's like, can you come home later? And I was like, no, I have a show. And then like five minutes later, somebody asked me to do a show and I was like, did I lie or manifest? What's happening? Manifest, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm manifesting a new album next year and uh, we're gonna take Halal Cartels on the road. We're We're gonna tour this bad boy. I am so, I'm so delighted to hear that. And you know, if you need a opener or host, I'm so here for it. I love you guys so much. Yeah. I am sad that Samir couldn't be here, but I understand that he has real children now. <laughs> right. Besides us. <laughs> right. I have uh, I've got a cactus over here and I've got, uh, I've got an aloe gorgeous. plant right off screen. So yeah, my children are like seven succulents and a couple cactuses. And if that's not hard enough to keep alive, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta, you know, I've got to juggle between the different climates that they want. Some of them get closer to the radiator. Other ones get closer to the humidifier. And too much care, they drown, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, they like to play hard to get. I mean, I would just say that most of my love is um, suffocation drowning style. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to give them their space and let them do their thing. And yeah. Just grow. Your your pololos are constantly drowning. They're like, oh, oh, can we just dry out? A yeah, bit? estoy ahogando. <laughs> Por favor. Estoy ahogando. And in terms of, um, you know, I want to give some nice learning tips. It puts put if you're serious about learning Spanish, put Spanish subtitles on everything, whatever language you're listening in English, in Spanish. If you're watching something in Spanish, the tendency is to put English subtitles on, but then your brain is doing translate, translate, translate. Just leave it on in Spanish. And if you're learning Arabic, you know, good luck. I wanted to learn Arabic when I was a kid and my parents were like, no. Yeah, they're like, that's, you're going the wrong way. Going the you wrong want way to be <laughs> more brown, come on. <laughs> yeah, they're like, are you trying to get on watch lists? You're trying to get on watch lists. You're, <laughs> why are you making your life more difficult? I wanted to be a spy. I was like, because I seem so non-stealth, that's why yeah. I can be stealth. Exactly. I grew up on like Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons and shit. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, well, on that note, everybody, uh, find a way to hide in plain sight and find a way to, to play the game. Wherever you're at, get on the field. Just engage. Engage. 
travel, travel locally, be a good host, be a good guest. Uh, I'm so excited that we had you on today's episode of Halal Cartels. Uh, Sonal Agarwal, where can we find you again? Sonal Media on all social media. So that's my first name with the word media. Nice. Does it sound like social media, sonal media? I don't know. That's what we're going for. Sonal Agarwal wasn't available. <laughs> well, we'll link to all of your uh, everything in the uh, show notes. Uh, I'm Gabe Pacheco. You can follow me on Instagram at GabePack1, G-A-B-E-P-A-C, the number one. And we would love it if you write us uh, some reviews, uh, leave a five-star review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. That's how we get more listeners. And uh, and now uh, to, 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 to guide us out of this episode, uh, we're going to listen to the groovy tunes. Um, produced by Serene Patel, a.k.a. Brown Privilege. We love you. Bye.